This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, so uh, we're doing our Back to the Future thing again. Uh, this episode is going to feature the great one and only um, the beat reporter for the New York Knickerbockers, Ian Bagley. Um, and we talk about a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of good stuff on this episode. We talk about Leon Rose, um, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, a couple of maybe trade targets, all all the usual stuff that you would expect to hear on an Ian Bagley episode. One thing that we did not talk about is the departure of Scott Perry. Um, who, as of uh, as reported by Steve Popper, uh, at about ten thirty on um, what, what's today? Tuesday, Tuesday night. Um, will is leaving the Knicks. Basically, I mean, not getting fired, not get taking a new job. Um, he is. I'll, I'll use. Um, I'll use. Steve's words, uh, the Knicks and general manager Scott Perry will part ways. Um, he was extended two years ago by the current front office to help smooth their transition process. And uh, his contract is is coming up. So I uh, figured we'd spend a few minutes uh, talking about this. I got GMAC here. Our, our GM, GMAC, maybe are you a candidate for the Knicks GM job? Uh, they don't want me. I'm telling you, none of you want me to run the Knicks. Everything that would be put on my plate would just be me asking Jeremy. And from what I can tell, it's like 50-50 on whether you like what Jeremy would do with the Knicks plan. So uh, I'm perfectly fine being the fake GM of Knicks Film School in the meantime. So, and you do a wonderful job, I thought. <laughs> wonderful fake job, yes. Wonderful fake job. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I look, I, this is going to... This isn't quite a Friday news dump, but this is going to I think this will kind of pass rather quickly. I don't think anyone is going to I don't think there's going to be soliloquies, uh, you know, uttered about Scott Perry, who will I don't want to say get kind of lost in the sauce of of Nick's history, Um, but like he obviously came in after Phil, after the messiness that was the Phil departure and for the, the portion of his tenure where he was viewed as having, let's say more power because it was just him and Steve Mills. um, That time period did not necessarily go well uh, for, (laughs) for the Knicks as Andrew makes. What what didn't you like John Kevin Knox over every good player that we all are regretful that they didn't take in the 2018 draft. I don't know if I, I don't know if I blame Perry for that, but, um, and then, so, and then he had this kind of second life under Leon Rose where, you know, if it's one thing that Leon Rose has been known for since he's been running the Knicks is that there's a, you know, it's, it's kind of a joke at times is that there are so many voices in the room between Leon and Wes and, you know, Brock Aller and Tom Thibodeau, who has some decision making power. And now, you know, Gerson Rosas was brought in at some point last season and allegedly played a prominent role in the uh, negotiations with uh, Utah last summer. And then somewhere in this larger, uh, you know, Walt Perrin with the draft stuff. And then somewhere in this larger picture is, is Scott Perry. So like, even as things have turned around, there's kind of been this, you know, question of like, okay, well, how, you know, Scott Perry's the GM, but how, how much power does he really have? How much credit should he really get? I just want to take a second and reflect on, <laughs> we don't have to go through some of the executives that have been 
prominent decision makers for this organization over, over the last 20 years um, because it's late at night and I've had a long day and I don't feel like crying into my wine. Um, but <laughs> it's, 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 do you want to see me cry into my wine? I, I'll pass. I also, okay. I which probably echo those same sentiments yeah. and tears in, in reflecting on what the front offices have looked like over the years. Yeah. And like, there's a reason that when I never forget the day that Scott Perry was hired, like the, 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 the word that kept getting uttered in reference to him was he's a professional, you know, for an organization that has been uh, looked at as something of a clown show, you know, for much of the last at the time, you know, 18, 17, 18 years, whatever it was since he arrived. Um, he came in and it was like, okay, there's an adult in the room now at the very least. The Knicks seem to be pretty well set up, although the, the Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, my God. Thing, and that that's the other part about the Scott, the Scott Perry thing. I'll finish my first thought in a moment, but like he has really lasted. If you think about the fact that he came in a few months after the Tim Hardaway Jr. offer sheet, right? Yeah, um, it was he, like right after the the 2017 draft when Phil left. Or yeah, he, like parted ways, and then like one of the first first things that Perry did was like the mellow trade. The well, I'm gonna mellow well trade. I'm gonna get to save. Oh, I want to get, get that, to the okay. mellow trade in a second, but like if you think about how long ago the Timmy offer sheet was, like that's essentially how long Scott Perry's been here. Because you know we've heard the rumors that you know David Griffin was on the plane or something to come and interview for the job when he heard about the the offer sheet and you know. To, turn the plane around um you know and it was uh, you know you could read into the situation they're like oh maybe mills didn't want anyone really challenging his power whether that's true or not you know no one's going to really know the fact is perry was entering a situation that was you know dicey um and he managed to work with steve mills and as you already referenced some of the decisions that were made during that time were not great. Um, how much blame does he get for that? You know, it's, it's up to you. But you mentioned the mellow thing, and I was just making the first point about the professional in the room. When he stepped foot into the GM's role, that mellow situation looked like, I mean, it was a disaster. Like from a PR perspective, it was a disaster. Like they needed to trade him. And at the same time, he had this um, no trade clause. So we could block any trade they didn't want to get. So it was like, what the hell are they going to do? And we all sat around here for most of that summer. Talk about the summer of Donovan causing stress. How about the summer of Mello, where we thought we were going to end up with what was the shitty contract that Houston had? Is it is it Ryan Anderson? Ryan Anderson. Ryan yeah. Anderson. We were like, oh my god, we're going to trade Mello for like a second round pick and Ryan Anderson. And Scott Perry was like, eh, everybody, pump the brakes. You know, all due respect to Frank Isola and your and his two yard line. Um, and he, and he slow played it throughout the entire summer. And was it the best trade in the world, you know, for Cantor and McDermott and a second round pick? No, but, 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 but that second round pick obviously turned into Mitchell Robinson. And if it's one thing that Scott Perry has, it's relationships around the league. And I think he did bring a modicum of credibility to the front office where at least, people around basketball could know that if they picked up the phone that they would get again, an adult on the other end of the line. And like it was Perry's relationship with, I forget which of Mitchell Robinson's agents it was at the time, but like Mitchell Robinson's agent at the time that kind of helped facilitate that draft pick. And that there were some other nice things that he did too. Um, and then you fast forward it. And like, there's a reason that Leon Rose kept him aboard is because again, Scott Perry is a professional. He's, he's going to do the right thing. He's going to, you know, he's not going to make waves. Um, and now he's going to go and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going to land in a front office where I would imagine he'll probably have a little bit more power than, than he ended up with here towards the end of the line. But like, I feel pretty strongly about this. Let's, let's, um let's give Scott Perry his due because he, he earned at least that much with the, you know, over the time that he was here. I don't disagree. I mean, I struggle with how much do to give him just like, like you said, from the dynamic that this front office has, I, I don't know 
if he should get 50% of the credit for the success, 1% of the credit, like where the pie chart is for all the voices that are advising Leon, but it's a percentage. And I think the bigger takeaway I have is that in the past, when, you know, like we remember 2014, when suddenly the GM is no longer the GM and it's like, Oh, this is a, this is a, a worrisome feeling that yeah. we have no idea who's in charge. Yeah. Who's, who's making the decisions. Right. So the fact that we, can watch them lose their GM and he's parting ways and it's like, all right, next man up. Is it, is it Brock that's going to be the new GM? Is it Gerson that's going to be the new GM? Does it matter? Because there's multiple people that are advising Leon and this is more just a placeholder title. You know, this is the one of the more stable periods in, in Nick's history that we can point to where the GM parts ways and it's not worthy of a, an emergency broadcast. It's just the intro to a podcast, you know? Yeah, and again, part of that, not part of it, the the reason for that, it, the sole reason for that is how Leon Rose has run this front office. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I think different organizations probably have different like job titles for general manager. I, I mean, it is uh, ostensibly the person that like, all of the basketball decisions essentially go through this person. They may not make the final decision. Some GMs make the final decision here. Obviously Scott Perry did not. Um, so like I, I actually, I disagree with you on, I, on it being Brock Aller. I, I actually, I would not be, I think it's going to be Gerson. Yeah. That, I don't I, know. I, did I say it's going to be Brock? I just said, I think you thought it, it would be Brock, but if, if you say, I, I, yeah, I think whomever it's it is, it's just next man up is my point. That, if it's Brock, if it's Gerson, is it if it's you know Worldwide West and the, is named the GM of the Knicks? I I'm actually kind of confident who they decide the next GM is. And the and the convenient part for them, and if this seems like I'm throwing some shade, it's because I am. Um, oftentimes, the general manager is the person that uh, gets in front of the microphone and the cameras to answer questions during press conferences and things of that nature. That's not something that they have to worry nope. about. So they don't even bother. They and don't bother. Just, I think we yeah. should just anybody that has this thought. It's not Bob Myers. Like that is not happening. Oh yeah, we. I, I, anybody. It's so <laughs> I've been talking for twelve minutes and I haven't even. Here, here's how slim of a possibility that Bob Myers would come in to work under. Leon mm-hmm. Rose it's and I and by the way the the conversation that you're going to hear with Ian Begley in a few minutes opens with me asking about Bob Myers but it's very specifically is to come in and like Leon Rose would be out and he would come in and run things right. um, Le, Bob Myers is not coming here to to be a voice in Leon Rose's um, you know uh, cabinet uh, so to speak that that's not happening correct I agree um. Yeah, I don't know that there's anything else other than that that ne- needs to be said. So we're going to send it to a break. Shout out to our friends at Weiss and Rosenblum. And then you're going to hear the Bagley interview. One producer's note that I'd just like to add. Um, I would have forgotten Ian, to do this. Ian Bagley's microphone was not... I'll just say he didn't have one. So he was using the computer audio, the laptop audio. And because the audio... You'll see it pop up a couple times because the laptop is usually further away from him. I, I made this analogy with John explaining what the issue was afterwards. Um, it's like if you put your phone on speaker and then put it on the counter or put it on the table and then you go do other stuff like do chores in the house and you're just like talking to the phone that's like across the room. It was like that for a little bit. I did what I could and it's it's listenable. But just so you know, but uh, that is why the the audio is is not the greatest. But we appreciate Ian for his time, uh, always, and for the the nuggets that he gave us in this 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 spot. The moral of the story is that this is my fault because I hopped on as Andrew was having this conversation with Ian about his audio, and the first words out of my mouth were, "Don't worry, Ian, you sound great." I would people you have no idea how infuriated I was like I knew we had we had like a short window this is fully behind the scenes so I knew it was a very quick like okay I can't I can't spend like 10 minutes with it like I do with some other pods it's like I have one minute to fix this and he was like does it sound okay and then John goes I think you sound fine I was like okay I can't can't really refute that because I don't want to I don't want to make a problem but it I at least need you to go get headphones. And we didn't even have time to do that. So, oh, God. Um, Fantastic. They can't all be winners. 
Ian is a winner, though, and I think you guys will at least enjoy what you can hear in this episode. Well said. Uh, here's the great Ian Bigley. No, we're going to a break. We're going to a break first, and then... Here's a break, and then the great Ian Bigley. Perfect. There you go. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast one of my favorite returning guests. Um, he has been kind enough to have me on his show to put back several times throughout the season. And uh, I'm honored every time I get asked to come back. I don't know why they, they keep asking me to come back. You keep doing it. I, I always am happy to say yes. Um, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only SNYZ and Bagley. How you doing, man? Hey, John. First of all, you're a great guest. And so well, it, it, we are no from you. We appreciate your time, man. And yeah, always happy to, to jump on here and, and talk Knicks with you on your fine show. Uh, look, off season, no coaching search, no team president GM search, and no draft pick. So maybe a little bit of a quiet period for the Knicks, although you, you know, you're always kind of waiting for something to happen here, but seems to be in a quiet period right now. Uh, quieter, that's for sure. Quieter, it seems right now. Um, I'm just happy that for this interview, you you got to stay inside and you didn't have to go out in your front yard to uh, to record this. Um, let's get right into it. I know you got a busy day. Um, I'm going to actually start with the the NBA news of the day, which is that uh, something that I think a lot of people were expecting for a while. Bob Myers, um, I guess, stepped down uh, as as head of basketball with Golden State. Just before we even talk about the Knicks and yeah, any of that, for folks who, because you talk to everybody in the league so much, for folks who may not know or understand how highly revered Bob Myers is around basketball, could you just like take a minute to, to let like folks know like how he's thought of around league circles? I know uh, Adrian Wojnarowski had a story. If he decides to come back, he'll be one of the most sought-after executives in North American pro sports. I don't think that's hyperbole at all. I don't think both were written. If it's not hyperbole, and that just speaks to the level that he is respected around the league and probably more importantly within his own organization because you saw it, win, lose, or draw, lowest moments, highest moments. Bob Myers was in the middle of it all and had no problem being the face of the franchise uh, for some tough moments. I'm thinking particularly about the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole incident, you know, credit the Warriors there. They come out the next day and they have Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry come out and address it. And to me, it's Myers's ability to lead, obviously ability to put a team together, but also ability to create relationships and foster those relationships with people from the top down in that organization, particularly the players. So it seems like if you're looking at Golden State and that dynasty, you're going to include, obviously, the players. But Bob Myers played a huge role in where the Warriors have ended up. And I don't know what's next for next for him, whether it's TV or whether it's joining another team or maybe ownership was mentioned in Adrian's story. Uh, but certainly teams with openings at the top are going to be coming after hard, uh, coming hard after Bob Myers, I would assume. So the reason I start with with Myers um, is even though like the situation in New York right now, as you just kind of hinted at, there's no turmoil. Everything. It was an unequivocally successful season um, by any any standards. I think anyone may have had. But at the same time, we're not that far removed from a period of time earlier this year where you reported that, you know, had things um, 
you know, maybe that Cleveland game after the Dallas disaster uh, at, at home, you know, gone differently or that week had gone differently there. We don't know what would have happened. Um, and I think, as you just said, it, it's not often that a, 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 you know, front office executive free agent on the, comes on the market of, of this caliber. I think we could sit here and both agree that like Leon Rose isn't going anywhere like this summer, but do you, could you foresee a scenario where, I mean, you've covered the scene for a long time where, you know, the pressure to win off of a successful season stays at where it is or increases. And like you just said, Myers, maybe he'll sit out and do a TV or something for a year. Could you see a scenario down the line where Myers' name maybe gets mentioned in, in connection with this the, the Knicks? Things can change so quickly around here that I would never say never, right? But I think big picture here with the Knicks, John, you hit it. Leon Rose is, is here to stay uh, for the moment because of where the franchise sits right here. And I think you know, we don't talk about it a lot, uh, but Scott Perry, I think, deserves credit for setting the table. Um, and leaving Leon Rose with the situation that he was left in with regards to uh, picks and cap flexibility. But nonetheless, Leon Rose and his group, including Perry, have done the work to get you here. But they took a step back after their first playoff berth. Took a step back that next season. You take a step back after this playoff berth and it starts to become a bit of a pattern. I think that, then, you know, the expectations are going to be turned up regardless and if you take a step back, you know, things start to get painted in a different light. With that being said, yeah, can't can't foresee it anytime soon. But certainly, you know, if if things don't go the way Leon and, and everybody hopes they do a couple of years down the line, it, it's going to the speculation is going to be there. Uh, warranted or not fair or not, speculation is going to be there because of the expectation to win and to improve year after year and to ultimately bring a star to New York. Uh, to compete for championships. Those expectations don't go away. So, yeah, there, there are scenarios where it's plausible, but not in the here and now. You just kind of hit it where I want to go with the my next question, which is like, so I'm, I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth because James Dolan came out during his little, little mini media tour in the middle of the season and basically said what he expected. He wanted to go to the playoffs. And then he said, moving forward, he wants to see continued, you know, steps uh, steps forward, steps in, in, in that direction towards winning. Uh, he kind of alluded to the idea of like getting a star, you know, a big time star player for a, a team that really, you know, I think outkicked their coverage this year in some ways, certainly blew away Vegas's expectations as far as like over under and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I, I want to ask, like, do you think that there is I don't want to say pressure on the front office to make something happen this summer, but maybe more pressure than you would normally see uh, with a team that had the sort of season relative to expectations uh, that the, that the Knicks just had. I don't think just, this is me kind of guessing. I don't think the internal pressure is turned up to a, a degree where we would be surprised that that's where it's at because I think they've shown Leon Rose, everybody on down has shown owner Jim Dolan and they have gotten them again to a place here where you can build off of this foundation whether you go via the trade route whether you try to uh, bet on internal development you've built this foundation that you can uh, you know conceivably or a move or two this is or two away from contending perennially so I think that and that pressure being ratcheted up I would be surprised if it was there based on the full picture from when Leon started to where he is now. And, but I do think, you know, John, you hit it. He, Jim Dolan said it on the record. He wants year by year improvement. So whatever course you take, whether it's kind of keeping the same roster intact and running it back and betting on the internal improvement of, of some young guys, continued internal improvement, I should say, or cashing in your chips and, and trading for a, a top player. Whatever it is, you're going to want to see a win increase and uh, you know further advancement in the playoffs if you're Jim Dolan. That's just the nature of pro sports. And I think for him, at least, you know, I've heard from a few people who have spent time around him. He just 
think he wants to know about the process and, and whether the decisions are that are being made make sense or logical, follow a plan. Uh, so I think that obviously you can you can make the case for that for New York now with Jalen Brunson, and we'll see what they do this summer. But yeah, I can't see pressure being ratcheted up right now on this group. So I want to stick with that for a second because you just just said something really interesting to me about Dolan being interested in the process because I think last summer they didn't they didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell whether that was I mean they decided not to pull off the trade that that Utah would have needed for them to pull the trigger whether they would have done something differently had they gotten another opportunity I think you among other people reported that you know there was no there was no follow up call like once they decided to make the trade with Cleveland they made that was it that was the direction they were going to go so they, the, the Knicks may not have ever had that chance to to, to maybe up their offer one final time if a if another scenario comes up this summer where again they have the opportunity to trade for a star player, not like a superstar player, because I think if they have that opportunity, I'd be pretty shocked if they bypassed it, almost regardless of the cost. But like, let's we don't have to name names, but like a star player, a guy who's been all star, maybe a couple time all star. Do you think that they would have the same leeway to say, look, this is what we're willing to give up? You want to make the deal? Great. If not, we're comfortable going back again to the, you know, with with what we have already. I would think in terms of just having autonomy to make the best decision that you see fit. I think Leon Rose has that. And everything we've seen right to date, John, you know this, you've seen it. We've all talked about it. It's been more of a conservative approach than an aggressive one, than a reckless one. And so I don't see any reason for the Knicks to change that approach at the moment. Other than this, uh, talk to Bobby Marks about this the other day. You know, the CBA, new CBA kicks in, not this season, but next season. And Bobby was talking about how, you know, teams are going to be active in the trade market this offseason, whether they want to move off big salary or acquire big salary. And so because it becomes more difficult to do that once this new CBA kicks in, next offseason. So maybe because of that, Leon Rose, Scott Perry, William Wesley, Brock Allen and the group say, hey, let's do this now because to wait another summer, it's just going to get more complicated, more difficult. So let's be a little bit more aggressive now. But outside of that, I can't see Leon changing his approach in a major way, uh, given what we've seen to date. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the new CBA. I was doing some math before for a newsletter I'm working on for probably next week, but like you just look at the Knicks and their salaries and like what Emmanuel quickly is going to be projected to get and what Josh Hart's projected to get. And even, you know, not, not, not that far away from Quentin Grimes next contract. And then the extensions for uh, Brunson or next contracts for Brunson and and potentially Randall, who we'll get to in a sec, but like all of a sudden their number uh, will start to, you know, push up against that, that second eight with what is it? They call it the lead apron. Um, in a couple of years, but we were a ways away from that. But like, to your point, you know, life happens fast. Um, so I, I wouldn't surprise any of us if the Knicks were, were proactive to that end. Uh, a person who has dominated a lot of conversation, uh, especially with how his playoffs turned out was, is Julius Randall. Um, you've spoken about it a lot in, I feel like multiple off seasons, the idea of trading Julius Randle is a, is a tempting one for certain reasons, but the, the reality is that it may not be that easier to move off of, of this player who has meant so much to this organization, even if his, his playoff performances may not have been great. Would you be shocked or just surprised if they um, moved off of Randle in a trade this summer? I would not be surprised if you're bringing back a player that is quote unquote at his level in terms of, you know, production um, okay. and, and kind of a player who can fit into that pecking order um, that he's leaving, but to just get off of him, to get off him, I, I would be surprised. I would be surprised based on conversations that people with the Knicks had in, in and around the deadline leading up to the deadline. It was almost just not even a conversation, the idea of trading Randall. But I do think, John, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. Yep. We're, we're talking about bringing in top player, uh, you know, not a superstar, but, you know, a star level player. And 
I think if, you, if that player comes in, they're going to play with Jalen Brunson, but I don't think it can be both RJ Barrett and Julius Randle with that player, depending on like, if it's a, if it's a three and D player, maybe it's a different story, but that's not like a star level player. If it's a player that needs shots, needs the bonus. And I don't see how it fits with RJ Jalen and Julius. So I think ultimately it's probably between RJ and Julius. If you're talking about bringing in that big name player, how do you see it? I, someone's been reading my newsletters, Ian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, look, it's obviously it's not just me. You've, you've talked about this. Um, we could talk about it uh, 10 ways from Sunday. The numbers with these two players on the floor together, not just this year, not just last year. It's been four years. These do not, the numbers do not indicate that these are two players who amplify one another's games. And to the point that you just made, um, you know, it, there's only there's only one ball unless they've changed the CBA in that in that way as well. Uh, I completely agree with you, and it sets up this kind of really interesting situation where, you know, there, there's no question which of these two players had the better season. It was Julius Randle. I mean, he made the All NBA team. You know, RJ had a, a bit of an up and down year, and then you have the playoffs where RJ did some really nice things and is also quite a bit younger. And I think a lot of the fan base is very invested in. Um, I guess maybe I'm I'm kind of going to ask the 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 Julius question in in a different way with RJ. Like, do do you think? Because like it was easy, it would have been easy if it's Donovan Mitchell coming in because that's Donovan Mitchell, right? You're, you're sending out a guy who kind of was the face of your franchise, sort of, kind of the the way he ended the previous season. I'm talking about RJ, but you're bringing in Donovan Mitchell, so you could sell that. Do you think that there is a baseline for like the the sort of player that they want to bring in? if they have RJ going out in, in a deal this summer? I mean, I would imagine that it's, uh, it probably is not at the Donovan Mitchell level because it can't be, either. but um, I, I would imagine that it's around that same level, whether it's, uh, you know, player at Mitchell's level, a little bit below, uh, you know, we'll see what becomes available on the trade market, but I, I would imagine it's around there because I don't know how they feel, but I, I think RJ up and down season for sure. But I thought he did pretty well in terms of not stepping on anyone's toes, not getting in the way when it became clear that the pecking order was Jalen, Julius, Julius, Jalen, and then RJ, and there was a gap there. So I thought he did well in adjusting his own uh, thought process on the court to letting those guys kind of go off and do their thing to the Knicks' betterment, right? Because the record was was very good. But I, I do think there was a period of adjustment there. The only reason I bring that up is because if you're talking about RJ or Julius and you're talking about bringing in a player, another player who is going to need the ball, I think you have some evidence here that RJ Barrett can adapt his approach, his play to that kind of situation. Do you have the same evidence with Julius Randle? I don't think so. I haven't seen it. Maybe people feel differently, but I just wonder how that plays into whatever well, deal they end up making if they make one. But John, to answer your question, I would think it would have to be like if you're talking about Bradley Beal and you're dealing away RJ Barrett for Bradley Beal, the package of RJ Barrett and other things for Bradley Beal, and it doesn't, and the team kind of is at that same level, doesn't really um, propel itself to, to greater heights. I think you're going to look back and say, that was not a good trade for this franchise. So you're, I think your point is you have to be careful in who you're bringing back for an RJ Barrett package. I wholeheartedly agree with you. So I guess on, on that note, it's like, I completely agree with you. The concerns there about Randall, you know, we, I think, look, I was dead wrong a year ago and we, we talked about it last summer. I was completely wrong and saying, just get Randall out of here. I think he's, He's not what the organization needs right now. I don't care if you have to attach a pick to him. We, the time to move on is now. That was completely wrong. He, he rebounded his value this season. I, I'm very happy to admit that I was wrong because it was good for the organization. And the organization bet that bringing in Brunson would help Julius. I think now if you're talking about bringing in another guy who needs the ball and potentially further knocking Julius down in the pecking order, that might be a different story. 
I'm wondering, and I, I don't know <laughs> to the extent that you could answer this question. Do you, if you had to guess, do you think the decision makers in this organization maybe share that same fear uh, if, if in dealing with what they're going to be dealing with this summer? I, I can't give you much that's concrete other than I'll kind of refer to what I was talking about earlier and things change. Right. So I, this is not, sure. set in stone, but just like the conversations that some few people were having with the Knicks in around the trade deadline, it was like, not that Julius was untouchable, but it was almost again, a non-starter. Like we're not trading. Him. And does it change between February and now based on everything that's happened, including the postseason? Sure. I, I think it would based on um, who is available, but I, I really don't know what their thinking is with regards to the question that you asked. I mean, we have, I think there's a lot of evidence, right? Because these guys have been together for a while. You've seen Julius for a while. Yeah. We can surmise what the answer would be. I don't have anything solid in terms of like what I've heard directly on that and, and kind of what I can report, but sure. I think we'd all surmise what the answer would be. Yeah, I, I think so too. Not every billionaire has the stamina, the dedication, or the fire to become the most unpopular owner in sports, but not everyone is James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks. This is Reign of Error, a new podcast series that gives you a courtside seat for the controversies, scandals, and drama that seems to follow the infamous billionaire. Track Dolan's rise from aspiring musician to the throne of one of the most beloved franchises in sports. Along the way, he'll battle his own players, fans, celebrities, the New York media, politicians, even the Girl Scouts. Reign of Error unpacks the outlandish story over five riveting episodes, detailing how Dolan Dolan became a lightning rod of criticism in his quest to outdo his billionaire father, while also asking the $6 billion question, why doesn't he just sell the team? Check out Reign of Error wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Let's move on here on a couple other players and, and then we'll get you out of here. Emmanuel quickly is extension eligible this summer. Um, another guy who you've been all over the reporting where uh, he is concerned and, you know, potentially where they, you know, open to moving on from him uh, earlier in the year. Do you think he is on, I don't know, steady ground in terms of like, do, do if you had to assume, do you think the front office sees him as like, is a core piece? You know, we're the only way that we would trade him is if he was, you know, similar to kind of how you talked about Julius, if it was a, a part of a, a package for a star trade, or do you think because of a the money he's about to get and b the fact that it seems like they see him as, you know, or he sees himself at the very least as more of a point guard. And he says, he's just, again, on the record, he has said that he wants to start someday. So how do you think that factors in in terms of how they may approach um, this summer with Emmanuel quickly? Well, the, the last thing that I had heard, and this was pre-postseason, was that everybody was happy, uh, both sides meeting, and that I, I didn't hear anything about numbers, but it was just the idea that 
everybody was in a pretty good place uh, regarding the, the comfort level now and, and into the future. So whether that means that they come to an agreement this summer on an extension or Emmanuel and his group decide to bet on themselves, bet on Emmanuel, having another big season then going to restrict free agency, I'm not sure. I just know that the quality, I think, I would say quality of the relationship from a 360-degree perspective between the Knicks and Quickly and vice versa, much better uh, when I had checked in before the playoffs than it was at the start of the season. And it's it's amazing because, John, you mentioned earlier, 10-13 start, maybe a loss or two away from major changes. And, and that didn't happen with this Nick team. And now we're having a completely different conversation. Yeah. Earlier in the year, start of the season, I mean, teams called the Knicks on Emmanuel quickly. And I don't think the Knicks uh, were hanging up the phone, depending on who you ask, whether he was available or just it was conversations. You get uh, a wide range of answers on that, but they weren't shutting those talks down. And so if a trade had happened then, then you're missing out on yeah. this remarkable ascension that he had this year. And it's just amazing how many little things have to come together that end up looking like really big things when you look back on it and have to go right for you to win in this league. But yeah, I, I think just generally everybody is in a, in a pretty good place with regards to the Knicks and quickly. Uh, I would imagine that all options are open with regards to a trade. I mean, teams calling, I'm sure he would be one of the first guys you're asking about. Yeah. And you know, if, if it, if it's a player that moves the needle for the Knicks, I, I would assume that, quickly would be in those conversations for them and in those packages. If you're putting RJ Barrett out there like that for Donovan Mitchell, I would assume that you would do the same with Emmanuel quickly for uh, a player that again, lets you, uh, lets you continue to proceed here with your building yourself into a contender. Um, you mentioned Bradley Beal a moment ago. Uh, obviously the, the wizard just made, um, I made a hire, uh, hiring away Michael Winger from uh, the Clippers. Uh, he reportedly is going to have uh, all sorts of leeway in terms of uh, I don't want to say blowing up the roster, but you know, do building the building the thing as as he sees fit. Um, there's Beal there, and there's also a, a guy who uh, used to, I believe, used to play here, uh, Christoph Porzingis. Would it? Would it shock you if there were some some KP uh, rumors uh, in connection with the Knicks uh, this summer? It wouldn't shock me. I mean, I think any kind of bad blood between organization and Porzingis is, is kind of not there anymore. You know, time heals those things. And it's also a different regime. I wouldn't be shocked, but I would think that there are other, probably other players that would be uh, ahead on the Nick list of priorities ahead of Porzingis. I mean, that's not saying much, but big picture in Washington. I mean, I think my, my read on it, at least going into their search was that I didn't think there would be an appetite from ownership from top decision makers for a full rebuild. Okay. I thought that they would have to continue to, you know, however you do it, continue to, you know, climb, 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 Eastern Conference, because I don't think there was an appetite for a full tank job here. And maybe that's changed now through the interview process. But if that's the case, then if you're Michael Winger, are you choosing between Bradley Beal and Kuzma Porzingis? I don't see a way how all three are there and you're turning yourself into a a perennial winner. So I would imagine that's the choice you have to make. Uh, Kuzma Porzingis or just Kuzma just Porzingis or Beal. So that's just something that I find interesting going into this offseason with regards to Bradley Beal and his potential availability. Remember, he's got the no trade clause, so he holds all the cards there. Uh, yeah. I assume teams are going to be keeping an eye on that moving forward. They're, they're mm-hmm. certainly a wild card team. Um, I Is there any... I'm just trying to... Because it's like there's teams that are clearly trying to win and then there's uh, teams that are clearly doing it the slow build and it, there's very few of these teams in in the middle and um you know people have written about it recently recently how like even teams that may want to pivot like don't have the most obvious avenues is there another team or teams out there that you think people around the league are keeping an eye on in terms of you know which way they'll go i mean toronto gets mentioned sometimes like which which way could they turn 
Um, but just maybe so, a, a team of interest in, from people you talk to around the NBA. Yeah, certainly uh, Portland, right? Because they have that number oh. three pick and they've, they've got ammo to either go either direction, try to continue to build around Damian Lillard or go young and, and try to build with, uh, you know, new faces of the franchise. So that's, that's obviously a team that I think people are keeping an eye on. Chicago, I haven't heard as much in terms of um, Zach Levine lately. Uh, it's been kind of cool there just in terms of Levine. But maybe, you know, whether it's a, a DeRozan or Vucevic, maybe there's a move to be made there. I mean, we just talked about Washington. I think also Atlanta, you know, based on some things that had happened prior to the trade deadline there. I do think that they're at least going to be involved in conversations with some of their big name players and, and bringing big name players in. The other team that I was thinking about is Golden State because you know Bob Myers leaving. But even that aside, like the ownership would have to really, really make a huge financial commitment to keep Clay Thompson and keep Draymond Green on big time deals for their next contracts. Um, and is that? Can they do that? Do they want to do that? I don't think they can enter a full-term rebuild at all with Stephen Curry as long as he is playing. But is there a way to kind of continue to compete while not bringing back both of those guys? Because that's a big bill to pay for ownership. So I would keep an eye on Golden State as well. I think other teams are certainly there. And then with Houston, you know, if you're going to keep Morton out, all those young guys are not going to be on this roster. Uh, So that's not... That's not a, a scenario where you're getting a ready-made player who's going to be able to, you know, increase your win total by five wins off the bat. But those players, some of those players, I would assume, become available, and those are intriguing uh, prospects to take on for any team. Last thing before I let you go, um, we've kind of, you know, danced around that. I'll just come out and ask you: Do you think this is going to wind up being a, uh, I'll say, busy summer? For the Knicks, or, or per, per, maybe a busier summer than than fans might anticipate, sitting here right now. I'm going to say yes for two reasons. One, you know, the kind of chatter for a while now has been this is going to be an active summer for trades. Uh, there's going to be players who become either available or at least get talked about, uh, big names across the board, and so that's one reason I would say yes. The other reason was. What we talked about before with the CBA and it just becoming a little bit more complicated to do these big deals once that new CBA kicks in, not this offseason, but next offseason. So this is kind of your one year grace period where you can get things done, where it can be a little bit more fluid. So that's why my I would assume uh, I would lean towards more yes than no because of those factors. But as we've seen, I mean, Leon Rose. He is going to uh, be conservative and kind of set a line and not go beyond that in, in a lot of different ways. We've seen him do that offseason, trade deadlines, pre-draft. So uh, I would assume he still holds to that uh, theory and that approach while exploring uh, what I think will be a lot of opportunities to bring in a bigger name. In Bagley, I always, whenever I reference you in the newsletter, I always say the same thing. If Ian says it, you know it's true. Because he, if there's one person that always, I, and I hope you don't take offense to this. I, I mean, this is a compliment that I know he always knows more than he says. He never says less. Like you're always leaving something. I know you, and I know even tonight. You know, I, I could tell it's the stuff you're keeping in your back pocket. If you say it this summer, anybody, 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 anybody out there, take it to the bank. Um, and I thank the good Lord that we have you reporting on this team because it just gives me always a sense of security that if I get it from you, it's rock solid. And that is just such a luxury to have um, for a fan base that has dealt with enough stress over the years. So to have a reporter that, you know, if it's coming from your mouth, you like, okay, we're good here. Or maybe we're not so good, but whatever. We know we know at least the info is good. So, uh, you know, th- thank you as always for the work that you do. It's appreciated by not only me, but everybody in the, in the fan base. I really appreciate that. I appreciate that, that moniker that I get in the newsletter shout outs. I really appreciate your words, man. Uh, that means a lot. I don't take it lightly at all. And, and really, really, uh, that's a nice thing. 
very nice thing to say about me. Uh, again, I try to do my best and, and let the chips fall where they may, but I really appreciate that sentiment well, and that feedback. You, you did the interview from inside, so you're, you're already batting, you know, above. <laughs> I'm above holding my here. laptop, though, like two inches from my face just to get a... Uh, Make sure the audio is okay. So. Exactly. You did that for us. You, did, you inconvenienced <laughs> yourself by holding, holding the laptop. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, everybody, if you're not uh, if you're not following Ian Begley, what are you doing? He doesn't need my recommendation. Um, but SNY, uh, anything else I'm forgetting you before I let you go? I think we, we covered it, my friend. All right. Um, Ian, you're the best. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Follow Ian, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Ian Begley. Uh, don't forget, if you dig the show, uh, leave us a, a five-star rating, write a, a, a nice review. Those things help us out a lot. I, I, we always try to um, read the reviews. Um, I appreciate the fact that people take a, a minute of, out of their day to write those. Um, but again, they help us out. So if you take the time to, again, give us a rating, we appreciate it. And uh, we will be back uh, with more fun and games very soon, you will next hear my voice in on next in the next episode with Jeremy, right? Dropping yes. Sunday into Monday uh, at midnight because I am I'm I'm going to be away for a few days. I'm my wife and I are getting getting out of Dodge for a much little bit. Deserved. Much deserved, much oh, deserved, John. Happy belated that, birthday! Thank you. Mm. Um, so yeah, pray pull, pray for some good weather in uh, in the Bahamas. That's all I'll say. Uh, Yes. I will just I will just add um you're listening to this Wednesday morning folks uh tonight because we're kind of coming up with a pattern of every Wednesday night is a live stream last Wednesday was an ask John live mailbag Wednesday night is an ask Benji live mailbag giddy so. up Tune in Wednesday night. Bring all your X's and O's questions, your questions about the Knicks, questions about the finals if you want, random questions about basketball that you want to ask Benji ask about his personal playing days if you'd like to any questions you've always wanted to ask Benji uh, super and non-super will be answered uh, on Wednesday night that's going to be on the KFS YouTube channel I believe we're starting at 8 I will make sure you see the announcement on twitter.com at Nick Film School S-K-O-O-L if you want the full announcement uh, also if, you, if you're if you subscribed to the YouTube channel then um, just turn on notifications and you'll see when we've set the time for when the live stream is going to go live. And that's it. That is it. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.